This week on Blue 58, Aaron Rodgers takes out the Cowboys again. We'll break down exactly how he did it and how a few key decisions are paying big dividends for the Packers. And we preview the Packers' upcoming run against the NFC North and put the final nail in the coffin of the Adrian Peterson story. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. A lot of stuff to cover, so let's dive right in. First and foremost, we got to talk about that game in Arlington, Texas this past Sunday. The Packers taking on the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. And wouldn't you know it, Aaron Rodgers delivers another thrilling, I guess, come-from-behind win against the Cowboys on the road. It's really, really fantastically difficult to come up with more amazing things to say about Aaron Rodgers because he's been absolutely phenomenal in these games. Off to a great start this season, a fast start for for Rodgers and for the team. Uh, It's really been everything just about that you could have wanted short of that game in Atlanta. And this game, just a microcosm of that, the Packers coming back from behind, uh, getting a win in the last minute against a very high-quality opponent on the road, and Aaron Rodgers is a big reason for it. But what exactly do you say about him that hasn't been said? I don't know, so let's talk about the real headline maker from Sunday, and that is Troy Aikman, because he was absolutely phenomenal in all of the wrong ways during this Packers-Cowboys game. A couple sound bites come to mind. Uh, we'll go through them here right now. The first one, Packers gave up a sack on their second possession. Somebody blows in off the left side of the line. And Aikman is all set and ready to just roast David Bakhtiari for having what what he kind of describes as a bad pass rush set up. And just, just listen to this and see if you can pinpoint the moment when Troy Aikman realizes that David Bakhtiari is not in the game. Talk about David Bakhtiari having missed the last three games, and Tyrone Crawford just has a really an easy shot at Aaron Rodgers. Bakhtiari just really doesn't even come out of his stance. It was a hamstring that kept him. See Bakhtiari there. and Well, yeah, we did see David Bakhtiari there because he was just standing there on the sideline. And I trying to wonder what's going through the mind of the the people in the in the the camera truck there like do we show a picture of Bakhtiari on the sideline do we not it was kind of a big storyline that he wasn't going to play in this game uh what do we do they ended up showing the shot of Bakhtiari and it made Aikman look like a, a blithering idiot which he doesn't need a lot of help to sound like but then later in the game uh, just a quarter later almost exactly a quarter later we get to see exactly why people hate Troy Aikman and I know there are people out there who defend Buck and Aikman, but it's stuff like this next soundbite that explain exactly why people hate half of that equation, the Aikman part. The Cowboys are up 14-6 to at this point of the game. They're driving again. They'll eventually go up 21-6 to on this drive, but there's just over 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. They're talking a little bit about the Cowboys' offense and just – just listen to how Aikman butts in here. This has been a start for the Dallas Cowboys offense that they've been waiting for. Not a bad start last week against the Rams. They blew an 11-point lead against the Rams and walked out of this stadium 2-2. Two and two. They lead by eight here. Yeah, a lot of their problems this year have come in the second half, but this is a, a Packers team that really is just not built to come from behind with the problems that they have along that offensive line. 
Just why even go there? Mid-sentence, Aikman switches the topic of what they're talking about to just dumping on the Packers pretty much for no reason. Talking about how the Cowboys have, have finally gotten off to a great offensive start. And then, oh, by the way, I don't think the Packers are in a good shape to come back from this. That's not what they're talking about. When you're a color analyst, you've got to get one thought across. You've got time for one thing. Don't try dumping in multiple things. You may know a little bit of my backstory. I worked in broadcasting for five or six years, for a while. I went to school for this. Uh, I was on air with a few pretty big stations for quite a while. I, I, I'm not making this up. I know what I'm talking about. There's a, this principle in, in hosting when you're on the air and you're coming and you're, you're doing a bit or something like that. It's, it's the principle of the first exit. The first opportunity you have to get out of something, you take it because you don't want to end up belaboring things. Aikman cannot figure out how to do this. He starts sentences or starts thoughts with no idea how he's going to get out of them. He just feels like he has to fill time. And you can hear him trying to fill because he doesn't know when he should stop. That is exactly what got him into trouble here. Buck sets him up to talk a little bit about the Cowboys offense, gives him an opportunity to do that. And Aikman starts to do that. And then, oh, I got to fill just a couple more seconds here. Oh, by the way, I don't think the Packers can come back from this. It's bad broadcasting and somebody's got to fix it. They're not going to because he's been doing this long enough that it should have been fixed by now. But this is why people hate Troy Aikman. And it's remarks like that that make people think that he hates the Packers. I don't think he does. But that's what makes people think that he does because he just can't stop talking and he ends up saying dumb stuff. Back to the actual game itself. I noticed something after the game that I've seen start to come up more and more and more in the media. This idea that Aaron Rodgers is just winning these games on his own. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely phenomenal. You don't need me to tell you that. He's got two MVPs, a Super Bowl ring, and a Super Bowl MVP award in his trophy cabinet at home. All right, he's doing just fine. And he is great. He's phenomenal. You see it every single Sunday, or at least most Sundays. He's doing things at the quarterback position that most players not just don't do, but can't do. But it seems like we're, we're getting more and more married to this idea that Aaron Rodgers is just carrying this group of hapless players around on his back all the time. Uh, the Ringer, Bill Simmons' website, did a, a post on this um, pretty much immediately after the game. And they, the idea was the Packers just have this hapless play calling, that there's nobody for Rodgers to throw the ball to, uh, that he's just not getting any, any help. Like, which Packers team are you looking at? Rodgers completed passes to Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb on Sunday, all three of them second-round picks. You've got Richard Rodgers, a third-round pick. Ty Montgomery didn't play, but he's also a third-round pick. Jamal Williams got time on Sunday. He's a fourth-round pick. Aaron Jones is a fifth-round pick just this year. Uh, the Packers also signed Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks. Aaron Rodgers is getting plenty of help, and these are all good players. He's just he's not doing things himself, and he's not making all of these plays solely by himself. He does some great things individually, but it's it's part of the team. And it's not like you have can can just have one good player on the team. To me, it feels like a variation of the Packers are wasting Aaron Rodgers' prime sort of argument. Uh, the idea for so long was that the Packers are not signing free agents or getting guys to to help Aaron Rodgers really get to the Super Bowl again. So they're they're wasting the career of one of the great quarterbacks of all time. But now that the Packers have gone out and signed a bunch of, or not a bunch, but signed some free agents, they've drafted a bunch of running backs, 
you can't say that they're not doing anything. So what do you what do you do if you're a, a worthless analyst and you just want to take some shots at the Packers? Well, you just start saying that the guys that the Packers do have aren't very good. That's lazy. It's stupid. It's annoying and it's frustrating. And it needs to stop. And I and I think it should stop. Finally, last headline: Packers four and one. Uh, without their uh, two of their top four draft picks. This one from Gary this week on the blog. I really like this, and I think that this is something worth paying attention to. The Packers obviously rely very heavily on their draft picks, but so far this year, two of their top four picks, Montrevious Adams and Vince Beagle, have been virtually complete non-factors. Adams has played four snaps so far this season, all of them against the Bengals. Vince Beagle has been on the physically unable to perform list and hasn't played at all, obviously. Still a few weeks away from probably getting onto the field. Gary points out that in the past, the Packers probably would have just tried to get by with the guys they already had in-house. Practice squad players, low-level roster guys. Think guys like Brian Price, Christian Ringo, or Reggie Gilbert, or even guy like J. Rowan Elliott they would have brought in or turned to to make up for the loss of those draft picks, at least in the short term. Instead, this year, the Packers have Quinton Dial, Ricky Jean-Francois, and Ahmad Brooks shoring up those shortages on defense. It's worth noting that the Packers are getting those veteran contributions from guys who have, who have done well in the league and know what they're doing in the league, and, and I think you're seeing dividends there. The Packers have, have been pretty solid so far on defense. Not spectacular, but but pretty solid. The three guys or four guys that we just mentioned, though, uh, Brian Price, Christian Ringo, Reggie Gilbert, and J. Ron Elliott, have all barely made a ripple since leaving the Packers. Price is making the most impact out of anybody. He's played 98 snaps for the Cowboys. That's about 28% of their total defensive snaps, including 14 on Sunday against the Packers. Christian Ringo hasn't done anything for the Lions. He's on their practice squad. Reggie Gilbert hasn't signed with anybody, and neither has J. Ron Elliott, who was cut by the Cowboys after being traded there for a conditional draft pick by the Packers. I think Elliott would have been the next guy up had the Packers not signed Ahmad Brooks. I think it's 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 very, very interesting to see how the these this new strategy has already paid dividends in the short term. And I wonder if this is something that we'll see more in the future. Maybe Ted Thompson and company will be more willing to sign free agents to shore up some of those uh those more weak spots in their roster, at least in the short term. Maybe that's something worth exploring in the secondary where they're still having some issues, but that's a topic for another day. Hey, before we dive into our main topic, wanted to call your attention once again to our page on Patreon.com. We've got a team of loyal supporters there helping us fund the things that we do here at ThePowerSweep.com and on Blue58. This is not something that you have to do. This is not something that's going to make or break us, but if you are looking for ways that you can support Uh, the Power Sweep and Blue 58 and the things that we do here, this is a great way to go about doing it. Uh, The money comes directly to us. We get to use it uh, uh, for things like hosting and um, making sure that we can keep bringing you this podcast week in and week out, things like that, stuff that you got to pay for if you want to have a website and a podcast on the internet in 2017. I don't like that you have to pay for that stuff, but you got to do it and there's really no way around it. Um, 
So if you want to support us in that way, that's great. Uh, as little as a dollar a month can help us get the get by on some of this stuff. And like I said, we've got a team of very loyal supporters who are helping us out there already. If you would like to become one of them, you can help us to upgrade some of the things that we're doing here at Blue58 and ThePowerSuite.com. You don't have to, but if that's a, that's a way that you would like to support the podcast, you certainly can. And we'll key you into a few other ways you can support us later on. Again, that's Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep. Uh, feel free to chuck in a buck if you feel so led to do so. Blue 58! Packers are coming to an interesting portion of their schedule as we head towards more the middle portion of the year. Three of the Packers' next four games are against the NFC North. You have the Saints and a bye week in there as well, but mainly it's going to be NFC North stuff for most of the next month, month and a half or so. So as the Packers head into that divisional schedule, I thought it'd be worth taking a quick look around the rest of the division to see what we're in for over the next few weeks. We're going to focus mainly on the Vikings and the Lions since we've already seen the Bears once and the Bears are going to change quite a bit before between now and when the next time the Packers play them is, which actually isn't that far out. But uh, in the meantime, let's go in the order that the Packers will be playing these teams from the NFC North, starting with the Minnesota Vikings. Just the facts on the Vikings. Three and two so far this season. They have won two of their last three games, including a 20-17 to 17 win over the Bears on Monday Night Football this week, in which both teams, kind of a, a little bit odd, a wet, sloppy night in Chicago. Uh, Sam Bradford started the game for the Vikings, ended up coming out with a variety of injuries, did not look good. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. But there's plenty of good stuff to be excited about for the Vikings. And I think if, if you're looking, if you were an unaffiliated fan and you were looking for a team to jump on board with, the Vikings are about as, as good as any team that you could pick. Uh, they're 3-2 and two without really a full-time starting quarterback so far this season. That is not bad at all. There's a lot to like about that. If you start 3-2 and two in your first five games without a regular starting quarterback, I think you're feeling pretty good about that. And those quarterbacks, the ones that they have been able to play, have been playing quite well. Case Keenum and Sam Bradford more or less alternating the quarterback spot. Uh, obviously, you'd like to have one, but they're both filling in there. They've combined for about 1,300 yards so far this season and seven touchdowns through five games while completing a pretty ridiculous percentage of their passes. Not world-beating numbers, uh, not record-setting numbers from, from either one with them, but you can win with that, especially if you're taking care of the ball, and they are. Neither one of them has thrown an interception so far this season. Can't complain about that. Lots of good stuff, lots to like there. Uh, elsewhere on the Vikings roster, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are very good. A couple really nice wide receivers there, especially Diggs, who really lit up the Packers last year uh, in their Week 2 loss to the Vikings in that brand-new stadium of theirs. Diggs battling a bit of a groin injury this week. If he plays, uh, he'll be a handful for the Packers, especially with that secondary being what it is. Uh, elsewhere on the Vikings, uh, the defense Still very good. Eighth in scoring defense so far this year. 19th in the football outsiders DVOA metrics. That's not as bad as it could be. Not great. Not that bad either. Uh, they've also played the Saints, the Steelers, and the Lions so far this year. Also all pretty good offensives. Uh, worth mentioning, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Xavier Rhodes, and Linval Joseph. All very, very good players on defense. I would take any one of those guys on that list on the Packers tomorrow, given the opportunity. Uh, and it, it still pains me that Harrison Smith was taking the pick after Nick Perry. I, I think you you got to take pass rushers first. And if Perry had been just a, a, a 
stud early in his career, there would be a lot less hurt there. But Smith, probably for the balance of their career so far, has been the better player. On the bad side for the Vikings, the quarterback situation, while good so far this year, is going to be tricky uh, from here on out. It just gets trickier and trickier for the Vikings from here. So Sam Bradford, beat up, uh, bad knees, both of them, uh, is in a contract year. Um, Case Keenum playing very well in relief of him complicates the situation even further because, as you'll recall, the Vikings' actual preferred starting quarterback would be former first-round pick Tommy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, Tommy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, He is also in a contract year. Uh, He has a a very, very bad knee because, uh, well, you know exactly what happened there, the non-contact injury in in practice that really kind of derailed his entire career. And as he recovers from that, the Vikings really don't know what to do about his future as a whole. We'll really get a, a more clear picture about that. Uh, as the season goes on, uh, and he maybe nears a point where he can come back. The Vikings are also having some trouble with injuries just generally. Dalvin Cook, their second-round pick from this year, uh, is lost for the season due to another non-contact knee injury. And Sharif Floyd, a former high-draft pick for the Vikings as well, is recovering from complications related to a surgery that he had on his knee, and it's possible that he may never play again. Then you just have the general issue with the Vikings of their player acquisition strategy. I think the Sam Bradford trade is understandable. If the Packers suddenly lost Aaron Rodgers tomorrow and it wasn't clear whether he was ever going to play again, there would be a significant amount of panic in the Packers' front office. And if you would think like I'm sure the Packers do, that you are in a position to contend right now, you have to get a quarterback. You just have to. I'm not sure Sam Bradford is the guy to do that for you, but at least it's understandable their line of thinking. There may be some flaws in in your evaluation of players or at least what you have to do right now, but at least I think you can understand why they did what they did. Other stuff, less easy to understand, specifically the Latavius Murray situation. Uh, We talked about him as a potential target for the Packers. I don't think the Packers were ever super interested in him, but it seemed like he would have been an okay fit for the Packers if they had chosen to go that route. The Vikings signed him for three years and $15 million, though. Quite a bit for a 26-year-old running back, especially if you're going to end up drafting one, as the Vikings did. Also, Murray has has, has barely played so far this year, just 26 carries through five games. He was dealing with some injury stuff earlier this offseason. So that's probably the issue there. Instead, they've turned to Jarek McKinnon, who is, who's quite good. Very, very athletic running back. Fun to watch. And he could be a problem for the Packers on Sunday. So how do the Packers stack up with the Vikings? Uh, I think pretty well if the Packers can move the ball. Barring a situation like we saw last year uh, in Week 2 when the Packers traveled to, to U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings probably aren't going to be able to go score for score with the Packers like the Cowboys did. And that's fine. There aren't many teams that can. And the Vikings don't want to play that way anyway. They've got a defense. They've got a very aggressive defense, a very talented one. Uh, They don't want to play, let's score a whole bunch of points if they don't have to. If the Vikings do make life difficult for Aaron Rodgers, I think this becomes a much worse matchup for the Packers. Dallas showed that playing keep away is not a bad strategy against the Packers, and it almost worked for them. If the Vikings can get consistent pressure on Rodgers and make his life difficult, I think that really you know, changes the, the entire complexion of the game. Because if they can run the ball, and I think they can, if they can complete a lot of high percentage passes, and I think they can, 
I think Minnesota has the sort of offense that makes this a, a real, real problem for the Packers. So we'll get an up-close look at this on Sunday. And obviously a lot of what's going on with, with the quarterback situation will affect how the Packers play against the Vikings and, and what the Vikings are ultimately able to do. Um, but I think if the Vikings play their game, they are a very good matchup for the Packers. Um, and uh, it'll be a, a certainly an interesting game. Long term, it's hard to see if the it, it, it's hard to project if they'll they'll be able to maintain um, this sort of play that they've been getting from their quarterbacks. But I wouldn't wouldn't count the Vikings out um, at this point, at least. Moving on to the Detroit Lions, just facts on the line so far: three and two so far on the season, tied with the Vikings for second in the NFC North on record. They do have the the tiebreaker due to the head-to-head win so far. The Detroit Lions, though, a bit of a rough stretch for them. They've lost two of their last three, including a weird one to the Falcons in week three that ended on that weird uh, review situation, then the clock run off. And I would have sympathy for the Lions, except it was Golden Tate that scored the touchdown, so I am obligated to just point and laugh at them instead. Uh, Too bad, Lions. Uh, You shouldn't assign Golden Tate. Anyway, the good stuff for the Lions. There's a lot to like here as well. Matthew Stafford continues his... Uh, interception reform. He's thrown just one so far this season against nine touchdowns. Pretty good stuff. Uh, Rookie receiver Kenny Galladay looks like the real deal, though he hasn't put up real monster numbers so far this year. He looks like he knows what he's doing here in the NFL. He's somebody actually I thought the Packers might be interested in taking a look at if they decided to draft a wide receiver in the second or third round as they've done in the past. But he went in that third round before the Packers were really looking at receivers this spring. And uh, I don't think the Packers are really missing him too terribly much, but uh, it seems like he would have been a pretty decent fit. On defense, hold the phone on this one. The the Lions, actually not that bad. They are 10th overall in scoring defense, 5th as of last week in the Football Outsiders efficiency metric DVOA again. They've played very, very well against some good quarterbacks so far this year, especially against Matt Ryan. Uh, Generally, they've been taking the ball away quite a lot. Uh, which is always good. It can cover up a lot of things on defense. Uh, Their group in the secondary, pretty solid top to bottom. Glover Quinn and Darius Slay, their main men there. The bad, though, for Detroit, and there is some bad. Uh, Injuries, lots of them. 12 guys so far in injured reserve so far this season. Packers only have seven, and it seems like their entire team is falling apart, though a few Packers who they've, who a few guys the Packers have put on injured reserve uh, have actually, um, been waived, so they don't actually count on injured reserve right now. But still, not quite as many as the Lions. Matt Stafford, though he is a bit more efficient and careful with the ball than he's been in the past, has sort of been turned into Mr. Nickel and Dime, and that is the work of offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, 6.5 yards per attempt is a career low for Stafford since he really became a full-time starter. I think he was in the fives way back in his rookie season, but it's been a long time since we've seen uh, since we've seen him put up numbers this low. Uh, He's been under six yards per attempt in single games twice this year. And this is mostly due to the offense that the Lions run, a lot of short passes. I saw a really wacky stat, and I wasn't able to track it back down. So don't quote me on this in particular. But a stat today that uh, in the last couple of games, the Lions have completed something like 30 passes within three yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, of course, he's going to be more efficient or more accurate or, or throw fewer interceptions when you're only throwing the ball that far down the field. I think that kind of takes away a lot of what is good about Matthew Stafford. But again, that's a more of an in-depth discussion for a different day. 
their running game has been completely disappointing. No Lions running back this year is averaging more than four yards per carry. And their top guy, Amir Abdullah, averaging just 3.8 yards per carry. No one else on the roster over two. So how do the Packers stack up with this Lions team? I think the, the Lions are, are equipped to play the Packers pretty tough. However, um, unlike the Vikings, they don't have a consistent pass rush from their front seven. Uh, like the Vikings, they have a pretty solid secondary and can cover well. So if they want to do the the rush four drop seven like has worked well against the Packers in the past, they could do that, except they don't have quite the, the horses up front like the Vikings tend to. I think that gives the Packers an edge, and I think the Packers will likely beat the Lions both times they play them this year, barring something unusual happening. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe Matt Stafford explodes one of these weeks and, and things just go just go south for the Packers. I do think the Packers have an edge, though, and I think they'll handle the Lions when, when the rubber meets the road. Uh, side note, the Lions' new uniforms are phenomenal. I like them very, very much. Their home set's just pretty good, still better than their old ones by a wide margin. Not fantastic in terms of the overall league structure, but a big improvement. Their road uniforms, though, with the blue pants, White shirts, blue numbers, fantastic. Absolutely love them. Looking forward to seeing them coming to Lambeau Field uh, in just a few weeks. Finally, the last and the least in the NFC North, and then we'll wrap this up. We just play the Bears, so we don't have to go super in-depth on this. Uh, One and four so far this season, last in the NFC North. Only win so far this season is over the Pittsburgh Steelers, which just looks weirder and weirder the farther and further we get away from that win. Uh, It induced kind of everybody on, on Packers Internet to say, maybe the Bears are actually good. That includes us as well. Uh, The good stuff for the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky finally on board as the starting quarterback. That's probably good. You want to get that guy you drafted third overall or second overall, wherever the Bears traded from third to second or fourth to third. They jumped up one slot at the top of the draft. That's the really important thing. Um, You want to get a guy that you drafted that high onto the field as soon as possible because you put a lot of resources into it. More on that in a second. Uh, the defense, eighth in yards given up. Yards given up doesn't mean a whole lot, but you'd rather be higher up on that list than lower if you had to pick. Finally, running backs, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, both good, both fun to watch for different reasons, and that's the best best thing you can say about, uh, I think, a pair of players. Who wants the same thing all the time, even if it's fun? Uh, those two guys, very different, both very interesting. Now on to the bad. This gets weird at quarterback for the Bears. They spent millions and millions of dollars guaranteed on Mike Glennon, which was bad. Even as a stopgap, there are many better guys that you could have had. Maybe Colin Kaepernick. Who knows? Um, A lot of quarterbacks out there better than Mike Glennon. Then they waited five weeks to replace him in the starting lineup, which I think is even worse. It just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to draft a guy this high, just get him out there. Mike Glennon is not helping you in the short term. He's not helping you develop Mitchell Trubisky. Just get him out there. Just play him. You, you spent a bunch of picks on him. Go ahead and play him. Drafting Trubisky in the first place gets a little bit weird. They overpaid, I think, to move up just one slot to get him. The value of the picks that they gave up to is one thing, but it's more the amount of picks for me. When, you're rebuilding the, when you are a rebuilding team, and the Bears certainly are a rebuilding team, it's almost always better to have more picks as opposed to less. If you look at the general kind of hit rate on draft picks across the league, there really isn't a whole lot of variation from one general manager to another. There might be some. There's not a whole lot, especially if you're just going on one year. 
you've got pretty much an equal chance to hit on a draft pick as anybody else, especially after the first round. Once everybody's had a shot at getting the guy they really want in the first round or having the best shot at the guy they really want in the first round, it's it's kind of a crapshoot beyond that. So the idea that you would spend a whole bunch of draft picks just for one guy doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you need a lot of players to catch up to teams like the Lions, the Vikings, and the Packers in the NFC North. Why not try to get more players now and try to solve that one position quarterback later? So how do the Packers stack up against the Bears? Obviously pretty well, and they'll probably continue to do so while the Bears figure their situation with Trubisky out. And I'm really interested to see if the Bears change much or at all now that Trubisky is their starting quarterback. Uh, The Bears, hopefully, if you're the Bears, are a different team with him as their starting quarterback. But as to whether or not they actually will be, obviously remains to be seen. Still five or six weeks out before we see the Bears again. So take a look at that over the next month, month and a half or so. That's the NFC North as it stands so far. Very interested to see what the Packers do as they get into this uh, portion of their schedule. Lots of exciting stuff to look forward to as the Packers head towards this middle portion of the season. While I've got you here, let's take a, a quick second to talk about the Adrian Peterson trade. We're recording this Tuesday evening, and you're getting it on Wednesday, as per usual, here at Blue 58. Uh, this afternoon, news came out that Adrian Peterson had been traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and this is of interest to Packers fans and people who write and talk about the Packers like like me. Uh, because of what we went through this offseason, almost every day this offseason, it seemed like there was some sort of new Adrian Peterson is coming to the Packers sort of rumors. Should the Packers take a look at Adrian Peterson? Would he want to come here even if he had the opportunity? Stuff like that. And I'll admit we contributed to that a little bit because we covered the rumors when they were out there. I think that's worth talking about because it would have been an interesting situation if Peterson had come to the Packers. Apparently, at one point, they were even considering bringing him in for a visit. Uh, Pro Football Talk reported that. Glad they didn't. Now Peterson has managed to somehow kind of con two franchises, though, into devoting resources to him. First, the Saints, who rely pretty heavily on running backs who can catch the ball and pass block. Peterson didn't do any of those things well, really, at any point in his career. And there's really no reason to expect that he could do it well now, well into his 30s, as far as a running back goes. On top of that, he didn't even run the ball particularly well when he was in New Orleans, so they trade him. But not before. They spent nearly $2.8 million to get him. That includes his $2.5 million signing bonus and almost $300,000 in salary so far this season. The Cardinals, meanwhile, are decidedly not one Adrian Peterson away from becoming a contender. Not in the uh, NFC West, not in the NFC, not in the league as a whole. They are 2-3, and they are third in the NFC West, And they should probably be a lot more concerned about Carson Palmer completing less than 60% of his passes so far this season than they are with their running game. But they're giving up at least one draft pick to get Peterson for some reason. I don't know how serious the Packers' interest in Peterson ever was, but let's hope it wasn't very much. Because spending $3 million for five games of an old bad running back is the sort of move that keeps franchises like the Saints outside the playoffs and looking in. The same goes for throwing draft picks at a guy you already passed on once, Arizona Cardinals. The Packers were absolutely right to stand pat with Ty Montgomery and their rookie running backs, and I think the emergence of Aaron Jones has proved them right just as much as any 
ineffectiveness we've seen from Adrian Peterson. Good move by the Packers to pass on Peterson. I hope this is the last we hear of this forever. It probably won't be, but I hope it is. That's about a show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us, if you so desire, at thepowersweep.com. Just type those words into your favorite internet browsing device, and you will find us all over the internet. You may also locate us on Facebook and on Twitter and via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you would like to support The Power Sweep, and I sure hope that you would, you can find us at patreon.com slash thepowersweep, throw a buck our way, and help us keep this whole thing running. Buy one of our shirts at Spreadshirt, and we'll have more news about some shirts maybe in the next couple weeks. Maybe it will hold off till around uh, Christmas time for that, but uh, we got some stuff in the works there. Still some good-looking shirts available in the short term. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, that is certainly your prerogative, but we'd love it if you did. And generally, we just love to hear from you. Any feedback you have, any questions you have, any thoughts that you have, uh, helps us make the Power Sweep and Blue 58 better. And that's what we're really all about. I am John Meerdink. I have been your host. We will see you back here next week on Blue 58. But now I might be mistaken.